and we're in the middle of this series uh, looking at some practices that Christians have used throughout the world and throughout history that they've incorporated into their lives as a way of, uh, that God uses to help us get to know Jesus better. We've produced this guide. There's still a few knocking around, but not many, but it's on the website if you want a kind of electronic coffee as a copy as well as that. It's been a joy, actually, to hear how people are engaging with it. I was hearing this week of a family that do it all around the table, and they're eager to kind of get to the next one. So today, we're at the next practice, having done silence and solitude and we hope that they all build on top of each other and today we are looking therefore at prayer last year a survey was done by comres uh, the well-known survey agency uh, in which they look at lots of different questions and one of the things they discovered is that over half of british adults admit to praying admit being the word some not eager to say so uh, but one in ten of us pray regularly in our secular society, still a good chunk of people either pray occasionally or regularly. And today, as we begin this journey for the next three weeks, looking at prayer, there's a quote in this uh, handbook that forms, if you like, uh, the underpinning of it. And it's this quote. Prayer is not something we master, but it's an act that forms us. A friendship we deepen a practice that frees us. I'm guessing that in the room right now there are varieties with a different experience of prayer. Some have been followers of Jesus for many years uh, and prayer forms a real key part of our lives. But for some of us, we know that we would love to pray more or in a different way or in a fresh way. For others of us, prayer is, we're at the beginning of praying and we sort of occasionally pray but we're not quite sure if we're doing it in the right way or whether we'd say it's really a key part of our lives and for others it may be that there are one or two here who've never really prayed or the prayers you have prayed are sort of distant memories at school or some written down ones that you kind of had to read by rote but never really engaged well our hope and prayer is that as we look at prayer it becomes something that deepens our relationship with God, through which as we pray, we realize prayer is not about what we can get, as though God is a genie if we rub the lamp the right way. Boom, magic, there you go. But actually prayer is about relationship with the God of the universe. And we deepen that friendship with us. And we're reading this morning from Colossians. It's a letter that Paul and Timothy wrote to some Christians who had come from a non-Jewish background. And they'd become followers of Jesus. And the context of the letter, the reason Paul writes it, he says in chapter 1, let me read it to you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. A well-lived life is what Paul writes this letter for and prayer is a key component of that. I'm sure you've heard the joke about the boat captain who in the middle of a storm realized that his ship was sinking fast. And so he called out to all the crew members, anyone here know how to pray? And one man stepped forward, aye, captain. They're always Scottish, aren't they? Aye, captain, I know how to pray. With a slight English accent as well in there. 
Good, said the captain. You pray while the rest of us put on our life jackets because we've got one missing. (laughs) Prayer, as we will discover, is not something that is a sort of last result (laughs) when we've got a life jacket missing. Oh, right, finally we ought to pray. But actually... Is something that is a default go-to, that prayer is about relationship, a child spending time with their father. But how then to pray? Whether we are somebody who's prayed for years and need a little bit of freshening up, or some of us, we're just not sure. The words we've kind of know in our back of our brain seem alien to us, or we've never really prayed. How do we do it? And this passage that Judy read from Colossians chapter 4 gives us, I think, some brief windows of how we might pray. And the first way is this. We're called to pray with eyes set, eyes fixed, focused. Judy's already mentioned the opening word of that passage. Do you see it? Devote yourselves to prayer. It's quite a hardcore word, isn't it? Devote. What does it mean? Other other translations of this use words like diligently pray or pray steadfastly, continually. And Paul elsewhere talks about pray continuously, but what does that mean? Because we have other things to do in life as well, like eat and drink and go to work and see friends and spend time with our loved ones and so on. How do we pray continuously? What does a devoted prayer life look like? Well, there's two dimensions to that word. And the first is an intentional continuity. That like the captain, or unlike the captain, prayer is not a backstop when all else fails, but is a go-to even before we put the life jackets on. That a relationship, there's an invitation to a relationship with the God of the universe as a child with their father to intentionally spend time together. So continuity is key. And intentionality about it. But there's a second dimension which uh, is perhaps more relevant for many of us. When the word devoted is used, it means persevere. Keep going even when your voice falters. Even when you've run out of words. Even when the tears have dried up. You may have heard the story about a young girl was sitting on a wall uh, going through the letters of the alphabet out loud and a priest passed by and asked, what are you doing? Uh, The girl said, I'm praying. Astonished, uh, the priest said, well, that's funny, but all you're doing is saying the alphabet. I know, said the little girl, but I don't know what to pray and so I'm just giving God the letters. And there is a sense in being devoted to prayer that it means Persevere even when we have nothing to pray or the things we want to pray for are too painful to speak out. And the reality is there are some people in the room, you know that situation. There is something or a circumstance or a person you have prayed along for, you have tears, have wept for. And the circumstances you're in now is that prayer you used to pray but you've given up because it's almost too hard. And there's an invitation in being devoted to prayer of, persevering even when our words run out. As we were praying for those countries earlier, that there will be many of us that behind those words that were spoken, 
our longings for certain countries or prayers for certain situations in the world that break our heart. And God hears those as he, we chuck the letters up, as it were. And so how do we do that in a way that is we can fit into our lives when it's hard or when busyness kicks in? Well, there's a few things by way of uh, kind of application for this that might help us. Try praying. It may be that you've never really prayed at all, and this is a brilliant way to begin. Just for seven days, there's a free app or there's a website to kind of guide you through it where it just kind of gives you some things and ways to pray. Why not try that? Or for others of us who we long to pray and, and kind of we do pray but we're not sort of kind of patterned in it. How about this app? Many people find this app, Prayer Mate, quite helpful. Helpful because in the busyness of life, we're so consumed by our phones that therefore our phone can remind us to pray and it has reminders that kick up when you set the time saying, is it time to pray now? Is a quite a helpful way to do it. And there's other resources in this booklet as well. All about setting our eyes, saying, I want to do this, so I'm determined to try and find a way in which I can engage in this invitation from God. Pray with your eyes set, focused, fixed. That's the first thing. But the second thing is this. In this passage, there's an invitation to pray with eyes open. You know how children, when they pray, and they kind of close their eyes and they put their hands like that and you can see their eyes looking through and they're kind of supposed to be in the quiet and all of that. I think Paul reminds us that's how we can pray, with eyes wide open. Why? Well, did you see what he said? Devote yourselves to prayer with watchfulness, being watchful. What does that word mean? Well, there's several dimensions to it. I think it means praying, being watchful to the challenge out there. I was in Birmingham City Centre this week, uh, dropped our son Noah at an event. Uh, and walking around, I think there's a number of things going on in me <laughs> that meant that I had an overwhelming sadness as I was walking around. And I think a number of things factored into it. Seeing all the adverts around the place, if you just do this to your body, all will be sweet. If you just use this energy drink and look like this, your life will be amazing. If you just gamble using this app, imagine what could be. If you just get this, your life will be amazing, all of which we know is nonsense. And then seeing as we're walking around, look on at the emptiness on many people's faces and the kind of distortion that people want to do to themselves. A bleakness, a sadness that overwhelmed me. I think praying, being watchful, is praying like that. With an awareness of how broken many of us really are. And therefore turning that sadness to prayer, saying, God have mercy. And maybe this week for some of us, there might be an opportunity. We might want to say, this week I want to commit. At the beginning of our lunch hour, why not take time to go and sit near your workplace or wherever it is, sit for five minutes and just watch people and say, I'm going to pray for people as they walk past. Them. Pray for them, Lord, have mercy on them, break in, mend their brokenness, Lord, meet with them today. 
or, or, or on the way to dropping the kids at school or whatever it might be, saying, right, I'm going to do something, so I'm going to pray when I'm at the light. Every time there's a red light, I'm going to pray, Lord, for that car there. Boom, Lord, please. Whatever it might be that in that watchful, open eye saying, God, please meet that person. That's what it means to be watchful as we pray. But there's another dimension, I think, to being watchful. It's not just kind of being watchful of the challenge, but it's also being watchful about what God is doing. Keeping our eyes open to see where he might be at work. I was this week uh, on the uh, uh, website of the World Prayer Center. It's great to have Steve here. Uh, Brilliant things on that website of ways to be watchful and ways to pray. There's a section called Call to Action. You can pray for our city or pray other beyond that for our nation. They've got this brilliant thing where they put a different country for every day of the week to pray whether there's an election or whatever it might be in that country, to pray. Eyes open. God, what are you doing in the world? What are you saying to your people? How are you at work? And the reality is for many of us, we can pray watchfully, but just thinking, Lord, what are you doing in my life? Which people are you putting in our path? What opportunities are there? How we can pray. Be watchful. But I guess for some of us, the context of this book of the Bible is really important. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And in the context of Colossians, there's something really important going on. Because this letter is written to Christians who've become followers of Jesus, not from a God-fearing background. And what's happening, they're thriving, they're going well. And into their midst, there being some people who've come and said, great, you follow Jesus, but you've got to have had this experience, this angelic encounter, this spirituality needs to be going on as well. And it's starting to unsettle them. And Paul reminds them that in Christ, in Jesus, you have it all. Deal done. And I think when Paul talks about praying, being watchful, there is a powerful reminder A liberating truth that our prayers are effective not because of us, not because of the way we pray or the clever words we use or the posture we have. We're praying because we're in relationship with God. He's called us. It's because he's good, not because we are. And so therefore it can be so easy to focus on the way we pray or blame ourselves as we'll see in a moment. Whereas being watchful when we pray means standing in that posture that I'm a child of God and therefore I have every right to just speak to my father. Lord, please break in. And he loves to hear us. Being set free from a religious duty about it. A liberating, childlike faith. So pray with your eyes set, focused, determined. Pray with your eyes wide open. God, what are you doing around the place? But thirdly, There's an invitation here to pray with our eyes looking back. Did you notice the next word? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Thank you. And there's several ways we might be thankful when we pray. I think we can be thankful for how God answers prayer. As we look around our lives and look back in history in our lives, we can be thankful for the things God has done. And I want to suggest we can also be thankful for the way that God hasn't answered the prayers that we wanted. 
There are things in my life that I know I have prayed for, sometimes for a long period of time, and if God had given me those things, my life would be mayhem now. Because his ways are way higher than mine. And so we can be thankful for the way God is at work as we look back. Thankful for the opportunities now. Thankful for the people God has put us in relationships with. Thank you for the people in our sphere. A few years ago as we were moving house, packing up some papers, I'd found this A4 piece of paper that I had written a number of years previously. There was sort of a prayer slash vision statement where I'd put this, God, I pray this for my life. And it wasn't kind of circumstances, you know, like pray that I get a wife, I pray that I dot, dot, dot. It wasn't that kind of thing. It was more, Lord, I pray that the opportunity's here and this is what you might be calling me and all that sort of stuff. And I was deeply moved as I read through this document that I had completely forgotten it even existed and read down this list of things that I'd written as a sort of weird ambition prayer thing. And every single one of those things had happened in this thing that I'd forgotten, this prayer that I'd prayed years before. So we can be thankful that God is at work for the prayers we've prayed, even though we haven't yet seen what that might look like. But I know in this room right now, there will be people who say, Tim, there is one thing or several things, a circumstance, a situation, a relationship, whatever it is that I can't be thankful for. How can I be thankful to God when this is happening or this isn't happening? How do we pray then? And I want to suggest that we can still be thankful when we pray by looking even further back. Do you see what Paul says? He goes on. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. We can look back to when Jesus died on a cross for you and realize that you are loved even if those things that you long for, those prayers you've prayed till the tears have run dry, even if those things, there's so much confusion about that, you can look even further back to the cross of Jesus and say, I know that you are God and that you do love me. Therefore, I'm thankful for that, that I have a Father in heaven who is on my side and for me. And therefore, we keep on keeping on. So we can be thankful in that way. But there's one other aspect of being thankful. When we look to this mystery of Christ, all that Jesus has done for us, dying in our place so that we get all the benefits of the forgiven son, we can be thankful that Jesus is the rescuer and not our prayers. <laughs> a, few, a number of years ago when I was at university, I had a flatmate. And he had kind of bought into a particular theology, a particular idea that if he prayed in a certain way, certain things were guaranteed. And so his girlfriend's sister became seriously ill and was dying. And so they were praying, convinced that if they prayed in a certain way using certain words, healing was guaranteed for her sister. To the point that when I said, is there anything I can pray for? 
they told me, no thanks, can you pray for us that we pray in the right way? Because I might pray the wrong thing. (laughs) And what happened was her sister died. And not only did they have the overwhelming grief of losing a young sister, they now had the real burden of guilt that it was their fault because they hadn't prayed in the right way. And friends, it might be that there are someone in the room right now that you have a guilt, a sense of burden about a way that you did or didn't pray that you think, therefore, consequences happen that are your fault. Can I tell you, friends, that is not the gospel. The good news of Jesus is that Jesus is the rescuer, not the way you pray. Some magic words to rub up the genie in the lamp. God's the God of the universe. Jesus is the rescuer. And so friends, if that's you, be free from that. There are many questions as to why certain things happen, absolutely. But free that it may not be your fault. Forgiven. Looking to the cross reminds us that it's not about us. And therefore we can be thankful, friends. So, pray with your eyes fixed. Pray with your eyes wide open. Pray with your eyes looking back. But finally, as I come to a close, pray with your eyes looking around. Do you see where Paul ends up? Having prayed, said all those things about prayer, he says these words, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Do you see how he asks for prayer? He asks for prayer for an open door. And it's noticeable a few years ago, I was... uh, challenged about the kind of prayers that I was praying how many of the prayers were about me and circumstances that I want my list to make the British dream rather than how does Paul pray pray that God may open a door for the message of the good news of Jesus when was the last time I prayed that Lord give me an open door to speak of Jesus to this person to this colleague to this friend, to this neighbor, to this family member. Maybe this week, some of us, we might want to say, I want to pray this week, every day, for that person in my workplace, or that person in my family. I want to pray, Lord, please, would there be an open door to speak of Jesus for them? Because Jesus is the good news that they need to hear right now. But not only that, do you notice? He doesn't just pray for an open door doesn't ask for prayer for an open door. He also asks, and this is really obvious, but he also asks for prayer for himself. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And I think that's a helpful reminder that all of us need prayer. If Paul asks for prayer, you need prayer as well. <laughs> so do I. And so in a moment, we're going to come and we're going to respond together as we sing. And we're, there's an opportunity to receive prayer for people to pray with you. And I know what it's like. Often we kind of think, well, you only need to do that if there's something really major going on. And so we're slightly embarrassed, not really sure how to do it. Paul asks in a written letter, please pray for me. And so all of us need prayer, don't we? But prayer is something where we meet with God and then have an opportunity to speak on behalf of God to others.
And do you notice something fascinatingly? Look at number verse five. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. There's a sense of as we pray for these opportunities that we can be the answers to our own prayer. That as we pray for that colleague, that family member, that we then are eager with eyes open, Lord, to speak of Jesus to that person. So in a moment, we're going to respond. And there's an opportunity for all of us to want prayer. What's going to happen is the prayer team will gather over there. Judy and I will stand at either side. And there's simply an invitation as we worship. If you'd love to pray, somebody to pray with you very briefly, we'd love to do that very simply. So as we come to a close, can I invite you to close your eyes? Please, please close your eyes. And I wonder, is there something out of this morning that you want to commit to? A sense this week that you want to say, right, Lord, I want to spend time with you. Or, or maybe even for some of us, for the first time, said, God, I don't even know if you're there, but I want to try praying to see what happens. <laughs>